your source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 60. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Nick. And this is Zach. And this is Don. And Don is joining us from the Comic Cast, as well as Zach is returning for the second month in a row. We Back are... by popular demand. <laughs> yes, exactly. We are bringing you all of the news from the month of November 2010 from movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news. We've got a bunch of news to go over. And we have even a bigger feature. Our spotlight character first will actually be none other than the Creeper. In our feature, we are going to do our annual recap. Uh, and this year, we obviously will be doing the recap of events that have occurred in 2010. So that's going to be a big feature. So look forward to that. So let's get right into movie news because that feature is going to take up a good chunk of time. Alright, the first thing we have is from November 12th. The Rap.com posts an interview with Wally Pfister. Uh, Pfister, uh, as we know, was the director of photography on The Dark Knight and Batman Begins. He has worked on every movie with Chris Nolan since Memento. Um, there was a rumor floating around, as we know we don't really talk about rumors, but there was a rumor floating around about The Dark Knight Rises being completely filmed in IMAX since Nolan announced that The Dark Knight Rises would not be filmed in 3D. Fister recently attended a screen for Inception and was asked a number of questions about The Dark Knight Rises. Although Fister hasn't officially been hired for The Dark Knight Rises yet, he shared his insight on the idea of filming in complete IMAX format. Fister said that they would most likely try to shoot as much as they can in IMAX format, but the entire movie will not be in IMAX. The reasons he gave were the cost would be a concern as well as the inability to capture sound. He also brushed off the current speculation about filming in New Orleans and mentioned that he probably won't see the script until early next year. Well, I think this is a little bit of a shame because uh, I saw The Dark Knight at the IMAX in uh, London and the scenes that were filmed in IMAX were pretty breathtaking. Um, it's just something that I wasn't familiar with in a feature film. Um, it's something that really stood out and it made the film made those scenes really work even better than they already were. Um, seeing an entire film in IMAX would be pretty fantastic, but I thought it would be something that they would really struggle to get done. Um, simply because you've got like a two-ton camera that you need to maneuver, and for some scenes it's just impractical. So it was something that I thought would surprise me if they got it done, but would impress me as well. So it's a bit disappointing, but as long as there's a few scenes in IMAX, just like the previous film, um, that would be good enough for me. Uh, I think IMAX is the future. I agree with Chris Nolan in that area, so I'm glad that that's the sort of thing he, direction he wants to go in. Uh, I have a question as far as the inability to capture sound. Is that because the IMAX cameras are so loud? Uh-huh. I have no idea, actually. Yeah, see, because that, that is interesting to me. But like Nick said, yeah, they are extremely heavy, and uh, I'm sure it's much more expensive to shoot an IMAX. 
than your kind of standard digital. But uh, I did not see the Dark Knight in IMAX. But uh, from what I've heard, it was pretty amazing. So it would have been great to see a whole movie in IMAX, but uh, I just don't think it's probably a, a logical idea at this point. Um. Well, it it, it kind of uh, hints at what kind of movie it's going to be, I guess, because obviously The Dark Knight was, for lack of a better phrase, bigger and better than Batman Begins in terms of scope, because you had a lot of sweeping shots of Gotham and everything, and you had things like jumping off buildings and stuff. So I'm wondering if this movie is going to be a little more grounded back to where Batman Begins was, just kind of creeping along rooftops and stuff. That's kind of like what I, I, I instantly think of. If it if it hinders filming in any way, yeah, scrap it. You know, just do whatever's best for the film. But it does make me think of what kind of movie it's going to be, in, in, in essence. See, I would have loved to see the movie done in complete IMAX because I'm a huge supporter of the IMAX, more a lot more so than the 3 I'm not going to support her at all, the 3D aspect. But... I do understand that because I remember when they were filming The Dark Knight, a lot of there was a lot of talk about how they had to like literally build and invent new rigs for this camera in order to do some of the shots they wanted to do. And in order to do that for The Dark Knight Rises, I believe that would take not only a lot more time and a lot more money, but it would extend probably a filming schedule a lot uh, significantly. So when he says, you know, the cost would be a concern, I think that's really the biggest thing because ultimately it could possibly double the budget as far as everything they need to do. And you also have to question um, how many IMAX cinemas are there and how many people can actually reach one. I mean, there's only a couple in this country. I'm not sure what it's like in the USA, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's quite an exclusive thing. Not many people have the opportunity to go to the IMAX, so you wonder, is that all that cost and time worth it? Yeah, I believe there's like a total of maybe 140 IMAX screens nationwide in the US, so I mean, that's... It's not a ton, but I mean, keeping in mind that The Dark Knight did out, you know, outperform every prior IMAX movie ever, and sold out of IMAX screens for like three or four weeks after the movie came out. It, it says a lot about the IMAX aspect. That's really what it comes down to. All right, I just want them to go back to 35 millimeter. Yeah. Breaks my heart. Black and white silent film. No, no. Which would be kind of cool, actually. Alright, so the next thing we've got is from November 22nd. MTV posted up an interview with the only, one of the few confirmed members of the cast for The Dark Knight Rises, Christian Bale, who obviously will reprise his role as Bruce Wayne. And he talked a little bit about what we can expect to see in The Dark Knight Rises, and we'll play that clip now. Exciting for you to tackle with somebody as it sounds like Tom Hardy's going to be an opponent for you in this one. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I liked him in Inception and I did see uh, Bronson as well. He seems like he's a balls out actor. Yeah. Um, so this is it for you though. This is the last one. You're content with that? For I think season. so. You know, I mean, look, I mean, it, that's up to Chris. Um, that was always what the discussion was. But I mean, you know, if Chris says, hey, I see another story here, then hey, we'll be on for it. But okay. uh, in my mind, I'm expecting that this will be it. You can come back in 20 years and do Dark Knight Returns. Finally, the Frank Miller one. There you go. Right, there you go. That would <laughs> maybe not be bad, you know, maybe 20 years time, but you need that break. There you go, there you go. Um, but time-wise, that sounds like May you're going to start it. Is that the word? On the I believe street? so. So basically, what it comes down to is Bale will not believe a thing that anything anybody says or anything that is reported online except and unless he hears it from Christopher Nolan which at this point I don't blame him especially with Michael Caine running around telling people all kinds of stuff <laughs> yeah um, I think that 
personally, it makes a lot of sense for me that Bale and Nolan are are a team, and whatever happens once Nolan's gone, I I cannot see Bale continuing to be Batman after Nolan's gone. It would just seem very odd, and I'm sure they'd cast someone else. So it makes perfect sense to me, and it's nice to see Christian Bale being sensible for a change and just uh, paying attention to what Nolan says. Yeah, I found that I found that kind of interesting. I'm not sure if that's true if like Dark Knight Rises is like a placeholder title but I do like the idea that like like uh, Nick said Bale and Nolan are very like in in sync with, in sync with each other because it's still Batman's story you know despite whatever's going on so I find that very uh, cause for to be optimistic alright so that's gonna move us into TV news I never said thank you First thing we've got is we're going to go over the episodes that aired over the month of November. On November 5th, we had The Plague of the Prototypes. In the teaser, Batman travels back to World War II and fights alongside Sergeant Rock and the GI Robot. In the main story, Batman is on call and Gotham is kept safe by his squad of trusty Bat Robots when Black Mask reprograms the unstoppable soldiers to do his bidding. Batman must blow the dust off his bumbling beta test robot Proto to help him stop him. On November 12th, we had an episode called Cry Freedom Fighters. In the teaser, Stargirl teams up with the Blue Beetle to fight Mantis. In the main story, the Supreme Chairman of Horde attempts to invade Earth with his forces and is up to the Freedom Fighters, consisting of Uncle Sam, Dollman, Black Condor, Human Bomb, Ray, and Phantom Lady, Batman, and the patriotic Plastic Man to save the day. President Barack Obama makes a cameo at the end greeting Plastic Man. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap, I've never seen that. Uh, November 19th, this was the only other episode that aired. It was called The Knights of Tomorrow. In the teaser, Question, under the guidance of Batman, dodges Kalbic and the Paradamons of Apocalypse when gathering information on Darkseid's plans to invade Earth. In the main story, in the future, Batman retires and marries Catwoman with whom he has a son, Damian Wayne. While Dick Grayson has become the new Batman, when the Joker returns and brings his protege, new Joker, along, the reluctant Damian will have to assume his deceased parents' legacy to become the new Robin to stop them. Alright, so, thoughts about these episodes. I think the first thing to say, Barack Obama making a cameo, I don't know how and why they decided to do that, but whatever. Uh, Nights of Tomorrow, the story is an amazing story yes it that supplanted like chill of the night as my favorite episode i think it was really really well especially the very end when um oh it's like just the very end where like they have a montage of them fighting the morrison villains like you see like the like toad and professor pig and all that and there's a panoramic shot of them like fighting all of them and then it like dovetails into like the feature where damien is batman and it's uh, a reference to like batman the anime series um opening with like the big exploding and then like leaving off I thought that was excellent and I really really enjoyed it I'll have to check what that one out then sounds pretty good yeah if you, you said Morrison villains you Uh-oh. said Morrison villains no, yeah, got no, Zach, you got Zach excited here yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright so the next thing we've got is uh, from November 3rd 
And the world's finest obtained information from Warner Brothers' uh, home video about the release of Batman the Brave and the Bold Season 1 Part 2. It is set to be released March 15th, 2011, and the episodes are basically the second half of the first season. So that would be Mystery in Space, Trials of the Demons, Night of the Huntress, Menace of the Conqueror Caveman, The Color of Revenge, Legends of the Dark Might, Hail to the Tornado Tyrant, Duel of the Double Crossers, The Last Bat on Earth, When Omak Attacks, The Fate of the Equinox, Mayhem of the Music Meister, and Inside the Outsiders. Why would you buy this? That's that's the question. Why don't you just wait till season one comes out? Won't be far, I'm sure. Concurred. Yeah, I think uh, that's basically the thought process amongst everybody, including Warner Brothers themselves, because, strangely enough, I probably received more review copies of Season 1 Part 1 than any other movie that I've we've ever covered, or TV series, or whatever. There was a lot of copies. They really wanted to get the word out about that series so that they could really get people to buy it, which no one will, but, you know, that's the way it goes. <laughs> Alright, so the next thing we've got is on November 11th, The World's Finest posts up a number of details for the upcoming Young Justice TV series, including the air date and synopsis. Um, At this point, we already know that the air date for the season premiere was Friday, November 26th. Um, It aired, and the synopsis for the episode was, In Young Justice, being a teenager means proving yourself over and over again to peers, parents, teachers, mentors, and ultimately yourself. But what if you're not just a normal teenager? What if you're a teenage superhero? Are you ready to join the ranks of the great heroes and prove you're worthy of the Justice League? That's exactly what the members of Young Justice, Robin, Aqualag, Kid Flash, Superboy, Miss Martian, and Artemis will find out whether they have what it takes to be a proven hero. So that aired on November 26th, and uh, we'll we'll go over a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, But first, let's move into... Our next thing, which is from November 12th, Newsarama posts up an interview, um, a video interview with Michael Jelinek. As we know, Jelinek is one of the writers and producers for Batman Brave and the Bold. Recently worked on the project Superman Shazam! The Curse of Black Adam, which you can find a review for on the website under the editorial section. But uh, Jelinek provided a few details about the remaining episodes left for the series, as well as a mention for the next Batman TV series. Batman Brave and the Bold has at least another 26 episodes left to air. The show was not canceled, they just decided to stop production. Jelinek mentioned that the magic number of episodes is 62. That contradicts a previous report of the show ending with 56 episodes. He later said that the magic number could be 52 or 65, so I think at this point he just doesn't know what the number is. (laughs) The show is ending to make way for the new Batman TV series, which will be CG and have a much darker tone than Batman Brave and the Bold. The last 13 episodes, which probably won't air for another year, were described as crazy. They decided to do things that they wanted to do earlier, but were too worried about the reactions that the episodes would have. The final episodes, they do what they want. An upcoming teaser was described with the heroes playing the villains in a baseball game, and Superman will appear on the show before it ends, and references to the Super Dickery covers will most likely be made. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think it's... Uh, I love this excuse that they have. No, we weren't cancelled. We just decided to stop making the show. I think it's quite an interesting one, but um, uh, I think we've all had a good time with Brave and the Bold, but uh, personally, I'm looking forward to this new show, and... Um, but I'm glad the Brave and the Bold are getting to do some sort of experimental work and 
some stuff that they think is a little bit too extreme. We'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to these these episodes coming up. Yeah, like Nick, I do find it extremely interesting that they keep saying that they weren't cancelled. I don't think you were popular enough to decide to quit. Um, but, you know, the Brave and the Bold is a Brave and the Bold. Uh, I haven't been as loyal to it as I uh, probably should have, but I'm more looking forward to any new series that they do. So, um, Well, actually... I, I'm not. I'm not one to dispute if they were were canceled or not because I know there's there's like a difference between being canceled and like not ordering any more episodes. The same thing happened with Justice League. Like they just stopped ordering episodes in Batman Beyond. But um, yeah, there's there's definitely like either there's 52 episodes or 65 episodes. They should probably get that straight. But I'm I'm not. I, I'll have to see if I'm if I want to be interested in this uh, new Batman show, especially if it's going to be CG because there's been Batman shows nonstop since. Pretty much, I think Batman Beyond, and then shortly after that was the Batman, and now we have Brave and the Bold. And I was hesitant to Brave and the Bold at first because I, I didn't think there was a need for a Batman cartoon. So I'll, I'll have to wait and see how that's going to be. I'm looking forward to the CG show. I think the the biggest issue that I'm having is um, I'm, I'm kind of concerned with when they say they're going to do whatever they want. I'm kind of concerned about what that means. Now, obviously, the the musical episode was something that they wanted to do. And they probably had to convince some people to do that. And it turned out to be successful and a lot of people enjoyed it. But there's a, there's a line. And they really, really walk that line of too crazy for Batman. And uh, just on the borderline of not crazy. So I really hope that it doesn't. they just don't go crazy. I, this, this thing that <laughs> the, he says about, oh, the superheroes pretend they're villains and they plan a baseball team. That... Like what? I get throwing back to the Silver Age. I respect that, but at the same time, it just seems like that's not really needed. Well, the the problem with it is, is that you know, my favorite stuff is the is the crazy stuff. But you're not going to reach a broad audience when you're focusing all of your stuff on the Silver Age, especially with what we know is popular right now with Batman. You know examples you know nolan's vision in that more realistic darker tone so i just i think sometime the the show has clashed with the popular uh portrayal of batman i think the main thing is this series was made to be more kid-friendly so that they could run a bunch of batman toys for kids and a younger age group the batman did a great job at marketing through a bunch of toys as well um, but they were more directly made for older kids. With Batman Brave and the Bold, they can get toys for little kids. They can get toys for middle age. You know, that they're you know, eight to eight to thirteen years old. They can do a lot of that. So I think that's probably one of the, the things. And they'll probably never say that that's why they created the show. But I think that's one of the reasons why, because Mattel has even gone on record to say that the show might be ending, but they're not going to stop making the toys. So. And they did the exact same thing with The Batman. It took like two years after the show got canceled before you stopped seeing the toys on the shelves. Hmm, that's interesting. Also, here's a question. like, um, If the another Batman show comes out, are they going to be able to use the Batman and Robin characters as much in the Young Justice show? Because when Justice League was out, they had a really strict Bat embargo on Batman characters because The Batman was, was on, on at the same time. So I'm wondering 
How about going to conflict with different? Yeah, shit? and that's actually the same thing when the Batman was on. Robin couldn't appear on the show until after Teen Titans wasn't on anymore because they didn't want two different Robins being shown at the same time. It wasn't until after Teen Titans went off the air that Robin then showed up on the Batman. I think they need to give a bit more credit to their audience and realize that the audience is clever enough to figure out that these are two different, you know, incarnations. For real. All right, so the next thing we've got is just a reminder on November 23rd, the Batman Beyond the Complete series was released, and you can find it at your local uh, electronics retailers as well as obviously on Amazon and other websites online. The final thing we have for TV news is an interview that was done with Jesse McCartney. Yes, Jesse McCartney, the singer that some may know. Um, <laughs> that name, when I saw it, kind of threw me off. Um, and it is, in fact, the Jesse McCartney that uh, is a singer. He's actually voicing Robin in Young Justice. And there's an interview that Comic Book Resources posted up with him. And I will read for Comic Book Resources, and Zach will read for Jesse McCartney. Robin is obviously one of the most recognizable superheroes in all of Comicdom, but what was your familiarity with the character before you answered the call to play the Boy Wonder on Young Justice? I was a big cartoon fan when I was a kid and watched all the cartoons with Batman and Robin. I saw all the movies. I was just an action hero fan. I have a few comics, but I wasn't really versed in the comics world before getting this job. I was just a huge fan of the action hero, Robin himself and his sort of evolution over the years. And what's great about Young Justice is that we see him at his earliest stage of being a superhero. He's this prepubescent, cocky little kid that ends up becoming the leader of this team. And really early on in this the season, you'll see that that was part of the appeal for me of taking this job and getting to work with all these characters and all of these voiceover recording artists. You're playing Dick Grayson in Young Justice as opposed to Tim Drake or the current Robin, Damian Wayne. What do we need to know about your take on the original Boy Wonder heading into the pilot? These are only 22-minute shows, so, so they're really just trying to reintroduce the relationships. You see a lot of scenes of him and Batman where Batman is encouraging him to step up and be a leader of this team. And Dick Grayson is very reluctant to do that because he still feels that he doesn't know enough, which you do see throughout the episodes. You'll see that he's still very young and still very green while it comes to leading a team like this. And they incorporate a lot of drama as well outside of the team. There's a lot of Superboy and Miss Martian. I was talking to the producer about this and how this show this time around. They have a lot of outside drama that wouldn't have been read in any comic. And I think that's another cool appeal for the show. Robin also learns pretty early on that no one else is going to be able to lead this team. And everyone does get a shot. Aqualad has a huge episode where he tries to take on this team and essentially can't do it. And there's a lot of nice... There's a nice scene between him and Robin where you see Robin realize for the first time, I'm not a kid anymore. I can't just be this cocky, brash little kid that can't step up. And then there's this scene between Aqualad, Robin, and Batman where Robin has to take the reins, and that happens pretty early on this season. Eventually, he shows that he is a natural-born leader, and that, and that's just part of what you'll see from Dick Grayson. Are these primarily done in one supervillain of the week type episodes, or is this a larger... Or is there a larger mythos to Young Justice? Both. Some of the storylines continue week to week, and then within each episode there is a new mission, a new supervillain, like you said, to conquer. But within the character storylines, there are personal relationships that carry over episode to episode. Alright, so that's the end of that interview. Um, 
the one thing I find interesting about this is they're saying he says there's a lot of drama, outside drama that's going to come into a play with the episodes. I think there's a way to do that right, um, and we'll have to see whether or not they do it right. But uh, I think there's a way to do the outside drama right, and I really think the fact that we're going to have a comic book releasing the same time the series does as a kind of a companion to what's going on inside of the episodes in comparison to just separate separate stories I really think that's going to benefit and kind of enhance that not only the drama but also the, the overall mythos of the show yeah I think uh, the strength of the Bruce Tim shows was the fact that you had characters that you cared about and storylines that lasted more than 20 minutes you know they lasted sometimes over a whole series or a couple of episodes and I think that had a much more much more impact on on its audience yeah, I hope they can bring that to Young Justice because I think that's where the strength from the last shows uh, lied, and I think it's something that could really help this show. I concur. All right, so as far as merchandise news, we don't have any news to report for the month of November. Let's move straight into video game news. We had a small fire here. It seems to have attracted some unwanted attention. They were told not to interfere. Three sidekicks reached security. They were told to follow orders. Stay put. They didn't listen. Take him down hard. Cool. Oh, and one more thing. Don't call us sidekicks. The Young Justice. Uh, the first thing we've got is on Friday, November 5th, there was a bunch of new screens released for DC Universe Online. And some of these screens include Clayface, uh, Joker, Batman, and Bane. So you can check those out on the website. All right, the next thing we've got is on November 8th, our friends over at ArkhamCity.co.uk have come across a number of new details for the upcoming Batman Arkham City. As far as what they've found, Batman will have special moves that he can hit up to three enemies at once. He'll also have new air attacks. One of them involves Batman hanging by a cord and jumping over the enemies and disarming them. You can return to the starting point of the jump or carry on with the fight. There is also a diving swivel attack, which hits two enemies at once. Batman now has a special combo move, apparently called Terminators. One of them is called Fallen and is a combination of quick punches with a vertical kick that launches the enemy into the air, giving the Dark Knight a second aerial shot. There are also other attacks where Batman combines combos and equipment to take out foes. Batman will be able to climb all objects, including buildings and wires. He'll be able to balance on them, something similar to what we saw in Assassin's Creed 2. You will also be able to slide underneath objects, cling to poles and rods, and perform gymnastic maneuvers. You can slide down ramps to grab an enemy as well. Batman now has a feature where he can dodge projectiles shot from firearms. It can also be used for normal attacks. Batman will be able to grab enemies at mid-flight. When Batman is soaring, if you go toward a window, he performs a motion diving with his feet to smash the window and execute a surprise attack. Awesome. Batman can now run and use gadgets at the same time. You can also run, jump, and hit at the same time. Batarangs can be thrown even when Batman jumps into the air. A new gadget upgrades Batman's leap. Translation is confusing here, but it seems to suggest that some sort of cape upgrade that expands into wings can also attack enemies. All of these things came from a magazine, and it was translated from, I believe, I want to say Polish it was translated from, 
So some of this stuff is a little bit off as far as uh, the names of the moves and stuff like that. But all of these things, mostly, mostly these things all have to do with the combat. But one thing that I'm super excited about is that he will be able to climb on all objects, including the buildings and the wires, slide underneath objects, cling to poles and rods. That is going to be awesome because that's one thing that you don't always, you can't always do with any game. Yeah, I th clearly it seems they're making a really big effort to make all of Batman's moves a lot more fluid and smooth. One thing that really stood out to me that I liked was the idea of using Batman's equipment and gadgets in a combo. So using a Batarang, then maybe punching a guy in the face straight afterwards, something like that. That sounds really good to me, because I think fighting and using the gadgets was definitely two different things in Arkham Asylum. I like the idea of combining the two and being able to use both. Yeah, one of my... One of the things that made the first game so great was that it had a very unique combo uh, fighting system. And that was my big concern when they announced right away that they were making a second game was that it was almost going to be replicating a lot of the same things that they were doing in the first game because it was so sudden. But here it seems like that they're totally revamping everything, which uh, is a is a huge relief for me because I know that there were people that were kind of worried that it was going to be too much replicating the first game and that it was... Because Arkham, Arkham Asylum is very unique. It's I mean, it, it really is like the first Batman game that, you know, where that the video game franchise of Batman is, like, now taken seriously. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm really excited about what I'm reading here. Yeah, more, versatile, more versatility for the character is always good. And, and especially if you can do things that make you just feel like Batman... Um, like they say, kicking and crashing through the window. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing that a lot once I get this. All right, so that's going to bring us into our next thing. On November 15th, the source posted up some screenshots from DC Universe Online. And these screenshots included a look at Poison Ivy's hideout. So you can check those out on the website. The next thing we've got is from November 17th. ArkhamCity.co.uk posts up some information that mentions when the trailer for Batman Arkham City will premiere. Through a Twitter post, Jeff Neely, the host of Spike TV's GTTV, mentioned that Batman Arkham City will have its world premiere at the VGAs next month. The VGAs are the Video Game Awards, and the show will air on Spike TV on December 11th. Last year, it was revealed at the VGAs that there was a sequel in the works for Batman Arkham Asylum. So you can definitely check that out. I'm sure it'll be online, and we'll probably have it up on the website soon after it is premiered on TV. Can't wait for that. The next thing, November 24th, Sony passed along a number of character renders for Batman, including a bunch of new screenshots. So you can check those out on the website. The screenshots are some of what we've already seen before. Um, there is some sh shots of what appears to be Azrael fighting alongside Batman against Harley Quinn and Joker. Um, there's also some shots of the Batcave and Joker's hideout, as well as the Gotham City Museum. So you can check those out on the website as well. Also, November 24th, Sony sent over a video that shows a number of different locations inside the confines of Gotham City, to include the Amusement Mile, Crime Alley, and Acme Chemicals Factory. So you can check out the video not only on the website, but also on our YouTube feed as well. The last thing we've got for video game news comes November 29th from ArkhamCity.co.uk. 
uh, about some information that was in the current issue of Games TM Magazine. Sefton Hill talks about a number of different things, including two things that I'm sure you and a lot of other Bat fans have been wondering about. Uh, the first thing is uh, he talks about vehicles. This is a funny one. There weren't any playable vehicles in the game because we weren't really focused. We were really focused on Batman himself. We see him as the ultimate vehicle, if you like. Our drive has been to focus on Batman's ability to get around. Obviously, you're now in a much more expansive play area than you were in the first game, so part of our development has been expanding Batman's navigational abilities, adding different ways to glide around, new ways to use the grapple boost from the top of buildings. That has been a massive part of development, to give wish fulfillment a feeling what it's like to be Batman inside the district of Gotham City. Our focus was to expand Batman as a character rather than give you a lot of different vehicles to go in. And the other thing he talked about that was pretty important was uh, he talked about Robin. <clears throat> yeah, I definitely think you can. There's a checkered pass for him, but I really feel that some of the latest iterations of the character in the comic book universe are really interesting and exciting. I don't really want to say much more than that, but I definitely feel that if done right, he can be a fascinating character. So... With those, I think uh, all I'm going to say is I think the vehicles are being left for the third one because if it expands to even more than just this little part of Gotham City to the entire city of Gotham, I think the need for the vehicles will be more so for that. Plus, it'll be an interesting thing to have the vehicles um, as something that they can add in the last game. As far as Robin, I think Robin could be an interesting addition. Um, the only issue is... I think with the universe that they've created, I think uh, Robin is better as if he's probably around, but you probably just don't see him. Um, first of all, I think they've missed a bit of a trick not having the Batmobile involved, because I think that's something that it's it would be new to the game. I think so many people would enjoy it, and I think they're missing out on something there that I, I would include if it was up to me. Um, Robin... Um, I mean, I hope they have multiplayer in this game because I think that was a bit of a criticism for the first game, just not a lot more than the single-player campaign. And um, so I think having him involved would really help with that multiplayer issue, and I hope they do, but I can't really tell from Sefton here when this quote if if Robin's in or out, really, but um, I really hope he is included in some, in some form. The vehicles with me, um, I think with what they're trying to do in these games... Uh, and really kind of expand your use of Batman as the character. I think if they gave you vehicles, you could really it would really hurt what they're trying to do and saying that, oh, I could just get in the Batmobile and drive to wherever I need to go real quick instead of having to use Batman to get there. Um, so I think it does take away some of what they're trying to do, but I do think it would be great to, to be able to drive the Batmobile, of course. And Sefton Hill and Robin, yeah, I, I don't really know what he's he's saying. The character is interesting, um, but but like Nick mens mentioned on multiplayer, yeah, I think it would be a great addition to the game if you could do like a two-player co-op, uh, where you know one person plays Batman and one person plays Robin. The thing is though, is if you're playing single-player, what is Robin just gonna follow you around everywhere you go in the game? Uh, yeah, so so I don't know. I think that um. I think the Batmobile would be cool, but I think it would be better suited for uh, a third si or a second sequel, a third one, because it, it would be it would just add more to that expansive ex expansion thing. 
I just how we just talked about how Batman's uh, physical abilities will be expanded on. They're probably going to concentrate more on that and how it gets around the city than just how it gets around the city faster. I guess that ain't coming right. But um, if they had Robin in here, I think that would be really cool for maybe like like some kind of like secret thing where you do a, a few missions as Robin, or maybe yeah, if if you had a co-op thing, that'll be that'll be even better because you could sort of. Like, do you go along the ways, you know, as Batman and Robin? I, I would love that. And maybe for a third one, you could have other characters such as Batgirl or Nightwing go on select missions and do it their own kind of style. So I think as long as it expands the world, it, it should be good. But those are definitely things I would like to see at some point. All right. So that is all of video game news. Let's jump into general news. And surprisingly, we have a lot of general news. Arkham Asylum remains under lockdown, its staff at the mercy of the rampaging inmates. Just ten minutes ago, we received this taped message. Greetings, Gotham! Joker here! Arkham is mine! Now at least madness and told to the streets of Gotham. But first, direct your eyes to the rooftops and witness the final destruction of your dear the very first thing comes from November 8th, straight from Warner Brothers. They officially announced this live-action Batman show that we talked about way, way, way back in May as a possibility of something happening. Um, it will be called Batman Live, and it's going to be a World Arena tour that will kick off in the UK in July of 2011. So there's an, the official press release. Tickets are actually already on sale for this, and there's actually a number of images that are all over the website that you can check out. Um, on November 9th, Warner Brothers sent us a number of the images of all the character designs for the characters that are going to be uh, featured inside this live-action world tour thing, I guess you could call it. On November 12th, uh, on their Twitter page, they showed a set design for Gotham City, and as we later found out in the month, it's actually more of a set design for the actual stage, um, because on November 18th, we saw a set design for something with a Joker hot air balloon. And the final thing as far as news for general, we have on November 19th, um, straight from Manchester Evening News, there was some news about the possible plot points as far as what we can expect with this Batman Live show. Uh, the state show with a 90-strong cast and crew will describe how the Cape Crusader adopts orphan circus boy Dick Grayson and becomes sidekick Robin and will showcase crooks including the Joker, the Riddler, and Catwoman. Although stressing the drama's family-friendly credentials, producers are quick to diffuse suggestions that the show will be Batman on Ice. It's not a musical, says Grace, but a dramatic show with a storyline which tells the origins of Batman's sidekick Robin. There is, a, there is dialogue, but the scenes are short, snappy, and full of action. We basically want to bring the excitement of a comic book to stage. To recreate the sweeping skyline of Gotham City, a long runway stage will take the action right into the audience, and a giant 130-foot video screen will produce stunning backdrops and animations to drive the story along. So, yeah, that's uh, Batman Live, everything we know as of right now. Well, I'm, uh, I can confirm that I've already got my tickets for uh, the UK date. Uh, I'm going to be seeing it at the O2 Arena on its first night in uh, July or August I think 
And I have to say, I'm very, uh, I'm really quietly looking forward to this show. Um, I know it's a long way away, but um, I love the fact they've tried to distance themselves from being a musical, made that clear from day one, clearly trying to uh, get away from that terrible Spider-Man show that's going on at the moment and having a bit of a disastrous time. But there's something. <laughs> I've been to the O2 a few times for shows and all sorts of events, and it's a great arena, and I think it's one that could really serve well for this and and have the stage in the middle of the arena rather than a typical theatre. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be very interesting, and, and I like the fact I don't know a lot about it so far, but it seems like the producers know what they're doing, so hopefully it'll all be good. And obviously I'll be able to give a an early review for it for the Batman universe. Yeah, I was a little concerned about this because not knowing much, I almost thought it was like a Batman circus show or something, but uh, I'm glad that they've explained that there is an actual storyline and plot here that seems quite interesting. The one thing I will say of what sh- uh, was said in this interview, um, wanting to bring the excitement of a comic book to stage I know that's a figure of speech, but that's the same thing Joel Schumacher tried to do, and uh, that didn't work out too well. So I don't really get – I don't like that statement. But uh, I, I like this because it's, it's very different, and uh, it's, a, it's a different take. So I look forward to seeing this whenever it comes to the U.S. I can't help but think of it every time I hear the word Batman Live or – Indicating that there's a Batman show going on performed in front of people, all I hear is a, a superstitious cowardly lot sung by Kevin Conroy in Batman Beyond. Like I, I, I just can't. Like I I'm not going to say it looks good or bad either way, but it, it, it will appear because Batman has to have a certain tone. And if you do like a, a dark, serious um kind of character as a as as any sort of like production, you're gonna have to camp like literally camp it up a bit. So I'm, I'll have to see a little more before I, uh, but I'll, I'll probably like I would like to see if, if I could get the tickets for it. One thing that I like about this is that it's sort of a new medium for these sort of franchises. It's experimental. I mean, obviously we've had the Spider-Man thing going on at the moment. There's also been in this country uh, Doctor Who Live, which has been quite a big success. But it's more for younger, younger people, you know, children. So. I'm wondering how Batman Live is going to appeal to adults more, just as much as children. I think that's the biggest challenge with with Batman. Yeah, I th- I think ultimately the Batman Live show. Uh, one thing I didn't say is it will be coming to the United States. Uh, that'll be in 2012, um, so it'll kind of be or right, here around the same time as The Dark Knight Rises hits theaters too, which which will be amusing. But. Uh, I think it's. I think this could be something interesting. I, I'm kind of glad that Batman is getting this because I think a lot of focus has been on this crazy Spider-Man thing that's been happening, and ultimately, I don't think this that 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 this whole Spider-Man thing that's happening in New York right now is ever going to go on tour like you know successful Broadway shows like Wicked or something like that because there's just been way too many issues with it and it's cost a ridiculous amount of money I believe I heard something in the neighborhood of like 65 million dollars to do this which is more than some movies cost to make it's like the most uh, I think it's like like the most expensive Broadway production or music production to date yeah so I think uh, this Batman thing is actually going to be kind of a A shot in the face to Marvel because they're not only going to be doing it in New York eventually, but they're doing it worldwide. 
and I'm sure they're not going to be spending nearly as much money doing it, and I'm sure it'll be successful. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll be buying my tickets as soon as they're up for sale uh, for 2012. Uh, so I, I hope everybody else out there goes and buys their tickets too. All right, so that is all the news we've got. Now we go into our new segment, which we started the last episode, which is the Dark Knight Rises Rumor Mill. And we've got a couple of different things to go over as far as what rumors have hit the net in the month of November. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. 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 There is a song the good folks sing. Song the good folks sing. Batman, about a hero on the wing. Hero on the wing. Batman. I am Gotham's darkest night, the villain's darkest fright. Turn on the signal light for Batman. Batman. very first thing we have is from November 2nd. The word on the street is that there's two females that are currently looking to be cast for Nolan's Dark Knight Rises. Sarah Essen and Julie Madison are both characters that are supposedly appearing in the Dark Knight Rises. Um, Sarah Essen could be making an appearance in the film based on something that I mentioned on the, the uh, blog or on the, in the editorial section um, in October about her playing a part in MCU. Um, Julie Madison seems a little far-fetched, or is it? Uh, Madison could appear if Catwoman does not appear, but it could just be a love interest that Bruce needs right now. Uh, Before you freak out about me saying Bruce needs a love interest, consider this. If Bruce did not have a love interest, who could possibly be in the film that is a female besides the random Russian models that have appeared in the last (laughs) two films? Because realistically... You don't have a successful movie without having some sort of female. It, there's not very many movies that are, have been really successful that have nothing but male leads. Not to say that Maggie Gyllenhaal or Katie Holmes were really leads in the show, but they did have billing for it. So so the rumor of the day is, according to comicbookmovie.com, Charlie Theron has auditioned for Sarah Essen. Oh, Casey Thomas and Vera Farmiga have an audition for Julie Madison. Uh, Interestingly enough, I thought maybe they were too big of stars for Nolan, but uh, if you look at the rest of the supporting cast, obviously Nolan doesn't really have any qualms with uh, having major stars in supporting roles. Um, First first of all, what do I think of these characters that they're thinking of introducing? I don't think that um, these characters are going to have a massive effect I think you know if if they're going to have some sort of romantic involvement it's probably more likely to be involved with Gordon than Bruce Wayne but um, yeah I'm not sure I, I, and whether they're going to be Charlize Theron or actors of that sort of uh, stature again I don't think that's something that Chris Nolan requires in a film of his but um, I suppose it, it might help get a few more tickets but uh, so I'm not, I'm not really sure what to make this rumor it's a bit of a strange one for me um the problem that I have with Charlize Theron and Vera Farmiga is that they're they're too old. They're too old in my eyes, and I don't find Sarah Essence and Julie Madison like I I can totally see Sarah Essence being in the film. I mean, I guess that gives to me 
Gordon, with the way that they've set up the third film, is going to be pretty busy. You know, in more ways being, than one. Being a well, yeah, well, being kind of a delegate, I guess, in a sense, you know, keeping his contact with Batman, but then kind of keeping the police force off Batman's trail or whatever. And if you throw Sarah Essence in the mist, what is this? I mean, what does this movie become then? I mean, I guess, it, and if it's somebody like Charlize Theron, it's not like she's going to have a really minor role in the film. I just, she's too big of a name to have a cameo, I think, in a movie like this. Uh, Vera Farmiga, I'm not, I'm not going to touch, touch that. I'm not sure if they can do uh, Sarah Essen. In the, not, not, not to say that she's not realistic or, or any crap like that, but uh, I'm just, I'm just, they could do it, but I, I'm, I think mainstream audiences would be like kind of turned off to see Gordon stray away from his wife. So I think that would be kind of dangerous territory. I, would, I, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but I, I am concerned for like the people who who've not read the comics or the source material to what would what they would think. Um, I, I don't want freaking Julie Madison in this thing. I, I don't think. I think the only female character worth doing in this in uh, this sort of storyline, I mean, is Catwoman because, I, to me, with the Dark Knight, they kind of they, they in my mind they they establish that any normal civilian woman sort of just distracts from the main storyline in Batman, and I find that unless they do Catwoman or Talia Al Ghul, like like Vesper Fairchild, Julie Madison, Silver Saint Cloud, any of those characters would just be kind of like wasting time, in my opinion. So it doesn't matter who the actress could be. If, if they get this kind of like civilian Silver Age, Golden Age characters, it would sort of distract from the, from the point of the movie, in my opinion. All right, so then the next thing is from November 11th. The next rumor that uh, was floating around on the internet was kind of going along with what we heard about Charlie Theron. Um, it's more about the female leads in the, in the, uh, in the upcoming Dark Knight Rises. So there's a number of people that supposedly Chris Nolan has narrowed it down to six females. Deadline reported that Rachel Wise, Anne Hathaway, Naomi Watts, Natalie Portman, Blake Lively, and Keira Knightley are the final picks for the supposed two female leaves in the upcoming Dark Knight Rises. Well, what doesn't make any sense is none of these people are the people that was in the previous reports, so there's already contradictions amongst this. And then on November 12th, Movie Hole decided to share their two cents and say that there was actually three other women that were also on that list. Uh, Tanette Phoenix, Marion Cotillard, and Piper Paraboo. Um, so, all I've got to say about this is it seems a little interesting how within the course of a week there was over 12 different actresses all named by different websites that are somehow all up for these roles. Now, if anybody was in the industry and was talking to any of the people, any of the 12 people that were on this list, I'd love to hear that every single one of these females has no idea what anybody is talking about, because that's probably the case. Yeah, first of all, I really like the name of the website, Movie Hole. That's a great one. <laughs> and uh, I also love this actress called Piper Perabo, another great name, who uh, I don't remember from The Prestige, but uh, anyway, so... Yes, yeah, so apparently we're getting two female leads. Um, first of all, I would say, please, not two, just one, and just focus on that one and make sure it's good, because there's far too many female characters in comic book movies that are just dull and boring, one-dimensional, and a waste of time, as Donovan mentioned earlier. 
Um, but most of these actors, apart from Piper Parabo, I'm aware of, and, and are pretty good quality actors. So I think, um, yeah, you know, I, I, people like Rachel Wise and... Um, Naomi Watts. <laughs> yeah, Rachel Wise and Naomi Watts, I would say, are the are pretty good actresses and ones that I would pick. But I can't really see a Catwoman, though, amongst any of them. So that's something that worries me a little bit, but... Yeah, so as I said, just can we just please get one female character and make sure she's really good? Yeah, well, I, I find it funny with these lists is that they basically throw in every popular actrix, actri- actress in Hollywood right now and throw them into the candidacy. Um, what I will say about the two leads is um, the only way I can see it work is that if like Catwoman is helping Batman and Talia is out for revenge... Uh, but I don't think that that's the direction the movie would be going. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see Natalie Portman, Catwoman. No. <laughs> that's hilarious. She can be a black swan, but the I don't see a Catwoman in any of these either. I don't know that I really see Italia in any of these either. Um, I just I just think from the first group, a lot of those actresses are. I don't want to like typecast them or anything, but they're they're very like elegant. And I don't know that I could see them playing kind of a a Catwoman who's, you know, jumping across buildings, you know, being that, like Michelle Pfeiffer was, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. It's just, I, I, it's, again, I don't, I don't see the need to, unless you really have a meaty role for a female character, I don't see, I, I, it just seems to, to distract if you have a, if, if you have a love interest for Batman, uh, I mean, think back to the Dark Knight again. Once uh, Rachel Dawes is out of the way, there was barely any mention of her, unless it was from Two Face. I mean, I mean, there was sort of like there was, but it really wasn't in the part part of the movie anymore. It it, it felt like it was just like kind of vacuuming up the, the little parts that weren't a part of the main part of the movie. So I don't see any other character like even if they make a new character, I don't, I don't see this really being worth it. To me, it seems like it seems like pressure to have. Like what Justin said, a, a female name in the movie, and I don't want to say that this movie does like doesn't shouldn't have any female characters. That's just not true. But I don't in the Batman universe, unless they have a direct uh, a role in like fighting crime or being criminals, it's there's not that many really iconic, memorable female characters. Unless you have like like a uh, Renee Montoya or Sarah Essen, which I think I, I said already would be a little problematic. Since Gordon is already married, so I'm not sure until until I actually see some more de- definite evidence. I'm I'm not sure what this could mean. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see one way or the other. It'll be it'll probably come out in January that they're they announced the cast and none of these females are on it, and I would not be surprised if that was the case. So let's get into our last rumor, which is the rumor that was first started on November 18th, which is Tom Hardy being cast as Hugo Strange. So a couple weeks before that, the current rumor was that Tom Hardy was going to be playing Killer Croc. Well, at that time, I told you how absurd that was, and now we come to the newest rumor, which has Hardy playing Hugo Strange in The Dark Knight Rises. Well, honestly, it could work, but the rumors floating around out there are not helping this the belief meter as far as this rumor. A new site on the radar called Batman News claims to have a source that Hardy will play Strange in Dark Knight Rises. 
Now, obviously, the source is not named, but the writer of the article on the site had this to say. I've heard that Tom Hardy is, in fact, going to play the villain. My source strongly believes that Hardy is going to pl be playing Hugo Strange. This is the first bit of information from this person that I'm publishing. However, they have been accurate in the past. For example, this person told me weeks before the recent Christopher Nolan interview that the Riddler would not be appearing in the film. They also mentioned that Rachel Wise and Anne Hathaway were in the running for the lead female role a couple weeks before the deadline before Deadline posted their list. Given their track record so far, I wanted to post this hardy news that I received via email. Again, this should be taken as a rumor. I'm posting this for the sake of discussion since we've hit a dry spell with the Dark Knight Rise news. Alright, so there's a couple things wrong with this. The first thing is that despite all of the information being true, this could also have been information that was just figured out by educated guess guessing. The other issue is that this report was due to a dry spell of news to report. So let's create news because there is none to report. Also, keep in mind that the site popped up only when news started to come out about Batman 3. And I don't want to bash the site completely because he does go to the lengths of saying that this is a rumor and it's not something that should be taken as news, but I despise things that are, are posted and then we have the internet blow up with all kinds of talk about stuff as t like Tom Hardy being Hugo Strange because this site has decided to post this and it doesn't make a difference that they said it's a rumor the problem is people don't include that little bit where this is a rumor it should be taken as rumor this is not news and that's the issue people take these things that you know somebody is using with very very little information and posting it up not to mention if I was a website posting something about this why would I even bring up the fact that I had a source who's telling it was funneling me information before but i decided not to post any of it up until now it uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me the the other thing that kind of coincides with this is there was a rumor that kind of started a couple of days after this whole tom hardy as hugo strange uh nonsense started where <laughs> they basically said nolan is going to use the storyline from batman legends of the dark knight uh prey as their main focus for the, the for Dark Knight Rises. Now, the issue with that is um, it's entirely possible that they could, given the events that occurred in the Dark Knight, but at the same time, the story that happens in that story arc has very little use for really an ending to what we what what no one's been doing. So. The fact that I that that is going to be happening, I, I highly doubt that this is going to be their story. It's entirely possible, and it, if you use a bunch of educated information, it makes sense for them to do something along the lines of the story, pray, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, yeah, my opinion is firstly that I don't think Doctor or Hugo Strange has, has really got enough to be a villain in... Uh, Nolan's massive epic final Batman film. I just don't think there's enough there as a character or as a challenge to Batman really to create enough tension really to to get the thing the thing going. And um, Prey as a potential story arc, I think it's um I think it's a possible story arc. It's probably the best one that I can think of that involves Strange uh, in this sort of context. And I think 
the idea of Batman and his identity being revealed is the worst thing that could happen to Bruce Wayne and I think that's what Nolan might do in this final film so that has a little bit more weight to it than than uh, some of the other rumours for me I think it's a possibility um, so if they are going to use Strange I think Prey would be a fairly good story to follow my opinion on Strange is that I don't want to see him anywhere near this movie uh, I don't care that it's Christopher Nolan or not I just don't like Nick, I don't find him. I don't find him intriguing. I don't think he's a threat, even if he can reveal the identity. I just, I don't think he would pose as a great villain. Um, and also, with Nolan, you know, making the Scarecrow such a, a prominent character in these movies, Strange is kind of, kind of like a, really similar to to uh, Jonathan Crane. So I just I don't. Gonna, I was gonna say that, yeah. I just don't. F- I don't see what would be so f- fascinating about having him be in this film. Uh, the Prey rumor, uh, wherever that rumor was started, you know, the people that decided to post that, I think, are... Uh, it was uh, it was Total Film Magazine. Okay, yeah, Total Film. They were... That was a smart rumor to come up with. <laughs> with the way that the Dark Knight ends and, and the storyline of Prey about it being a task force that, that hunts Batman in this... This guy who eventually, you know, who Gordon thinks is a dud, who doesn't turn out to be a dud, and works with Strange, uh, you know, it, it fits right in with the Strange rumors. It fits right in with the with the plot. We think the third film is going to be. Um, it's it's an okay story, but I don't think it's a storyline that no one's going to follow. Follow. It might be there might be elements or concepts in that story that he pulls from, but. Uh, one of the things that I think has been great about Nolan's two films is that he takes elements from Batman's history and continuity in the comic books, but creates them in his his original, his own original way. Um, so I I really, and I believe the police officer that's hunting him in prey is some guy named Court or something like that. Uh, yep. That could be a, a role that Harvey Bullock could fill. Um, which would contradict. I would think that I would rather see Tom Hardy play Harvey Bullock than Hugo Strange. But uh, again, this is all a, this is all a speculation on something that is not even true at this point. A British Harvey Bullock that would be pretty cool. Um, I don't think that I see in my mind. If anything, they're going to adapt for any story they're going to adapt for Dark Knight Rises. I think it would be Dark Victory because with Batman Begins, it was pretty much akin to Year One. And the Dark Knight, you can't tell me that that whole thing wasn't just a film adaptation of Halloween. So in my mind, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. How, how come? There are things like Two Face's demise and the whole, the Joker, the Joker is is just a, a fill-in character in the Long Halloween. Well, but the point of the Long Halloween is the fact that uh, the the mob element is being brought up by not only by Batman but by like. The super t- the type of super villainy that the Joker represents, and the, the Dark Knight that that only goes even further to to establish that Batman and the supervillains are sort of uh, taking over Gotham's old old uh, old thing of um, gangsters. And I think that the Dark Knight, I, I, while still establishing Batman as, as a crime fighter in the city, I think that the the next movie would pretty much go along with that just just as well. So I don't see. I don't see a random Legends of the Dark Knight story being the, the, the template for this. 
Um, and especially the fact that you, I know that has read Year One and Long Halloween, so I think that it just it just seems like it just seems like it'd be too random of a thing for him to just totally adapt a random story that uh, most people wouldn't have heard from. So that's all the rumors for this month. Uh, let's let's get into our spotlight character, which, as I mentioned earlier, is the Creeper. Who are you? They call me Yellow Skin Wacky Man. All right. The Creeper was initially a costume persona of crusading journalist Jack Ryder, only to later become twin personalities inhabiting the same body. This was in Showcase number 73, March, April, 1968. On Earth One, Jack Ryder was a television host who angered his management, which yanked him off the air. He subsequently became a security investigator for his network. One of his first cases was to figure out the whereabouts of Professor Ephraim Yatz, abducted by communist spies. When he determined Yats was being held at the site of a costume party, he quickly bought odds and ends from a costume shop and became the garish creeper with a green wig, yellow body stocking and face paint. His attempt to rescue Yats left him wounded from a knife and lying in the same room with the doctor Yats used an experimental formula he carried to heal the wound but first implanted a device in Ryder's stomach. He then placed the device's twin in the journalist's palm. Yats explained that the serum not only would heal Ryder, but also endow him with enhanced strength, agility, and endurance. The dual devices would enable him to make the Creeper outfit appear and disappear. Before Ryder could free Yats, the professor was shot. Police believed the Creeper had killed him. Ryder used his Creeper persona to battle crime and corruption, eventually regaining his on-camera duties. His gonzo journalism style and combative on-air personality were good matches for a wild and anarchic anarchic fighting style used by his alter ego. Sometimes at, sometime after beginning his career, the Creeper aided Batman in stopping the insectoid creature called Hellgramite. This was in The Brave and the Bold, number 80, October, November, 1968. The Creeper and the Dark Knight crossed paths on other occasions, although no real friendship ever developed. The Creeper even took on the deadly Joker during one notable case and survived. This was in the Joker number three, September, October, 1975. Ryder's career led him to a variety of cities, ending in Boston when the reality-altering events of the crisis on Infinite Earth struck. In the wake of those events, Ryder was much the same, but the Creeper seemed more of a schizophrenic being than a role, role being played. There was serious doubt as to whether the Creeper and Yatz's formula were making Ryder insane. Additionally, Yats revealed that the device had implanted, actually imprinted an object in its circuitry, allowing the costume to appear and disappear. Also, Ryder had been drugged by the criminals when he was injured. The serum that entered his bloodstream at the same time thus altered him in a unique way, never to be repeated. The makeup of his blood was also imprinted, so every time he transformed from Ryder to the Creeper, the altered blood was recreated. This was in Creeper, the second series of Creeper, number one, December 1997. At one point, Ryder confronted his dual personas thanks to woman, Wonder Woman's lasso of truth, but it was something he ignored. Instead, he entered into a vicious grudge against the villainous Eclipso. Their climatic fight seemingly left Creeper dead, but the Yats formula slowly healed him. This was in Eclipso number 13 from November 1993. Reality was altered yet again through the events known as the Infinite Crisis. In the reordered world, Ryder remained a journalist, but this time he worked for the Metropolis Daily Planet before moving on to a newspaper job in Gotham City. 
Sometime after that, Ryder became host of the television series You Are Wrong. With his confrontational style, he goaded his guests on hot-button topics of the day. Preparing for a show, Ryder studied the work of Dr. Vincent Yatz, who had a new form of nanotechnology that would be used for medical therapy. Yatz's work was being tested on burn victims, and one test subject tried to help himself to a sample. A fight broke out, and Yatz, fearing for his work, injected himself with the latest, with the last sample. Ryder arrived and was shot in the head, <laughs> then left for dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yatz's nanotechnology was used to save Ryder's life, and it interacted with his cells, allowing him to transform himself, transform himself into the Creeper. This was in the Creeper number one, October two thousand and six. Martin Scorsese must have wrote that one. <laughs> <laughs> when the new Creeper took on the Joker in Gotham City, it caught Batman's attention. The Dark Knight studied Jack Ryder and came to understand the schizophrenic nature of the man. He provided guidance, but no direct aid. In the end, Batman had to capture the Joker on his own when the Creeper had his own issues to deal with. Batman informed the Creeper that Professor Yatz had injected Ryder with a serum containing Yatz's unique nanotechnology called the Smart Skin, but also elements derived from the Joker's deadly venom, which explained his manic state. Batman warned Ryder that the venom in it pure form killed or drove many insane. In analyzing Ryder's contaminated blood, he observed that the makeup was volatile, with two cellular structures com competing to occupy the same space. Batman synthesized a compound that he anticipated could cure Ryder and gave him the vial. While Ryder considered this, the Creeper took offense, accusing Batman of trying to eliminate him. The Dark Knight let Ryder and the Creeper decide what to do. The new life form decided to destroy the vial but worked together on the side of good. This is in the Creeper Force series, number six, March 2007. In the potential future of the 853rd century, a being called the Insanitation arrived on the planet IAI, drawn to this energy source called Creeper. A Jack Ryder existed in the year 85,271, worn out after years as a hero. The Force split Ryder and Creeper into separate beings for the first time. And sanitation battled and injured the Creeper, which forced Ryder to reunite with his alter ego, their lives inextricably linked. This was in DC 1 million in 1998. All right, and as we know, Jack Ryder has appeared in New Batman Adventures, voiced by Jeff Bennett. He, uh, obviously, his alter ego, the Creeper, also appeared as well. The Creeper made numerous cameos in the series The Justice League Unlimited, and recently, Jack Ryder can be heard reporting about the Arkham breakout in the video game Batman Arkham Asylum. So that is the Creeper. Bit of a strange one, the Creeper. Very much so. Steve Ditko creation, right? Yep. yep. I know you. Last time we met, you were working for... Dramatic pause. The Joker. We don't know nothing about no Joker, Creep. Creep? Creep? I like it. My new name... The Creep. No way, too negative. I have it! I am... Drumroll, please. I said drumroll, please! Hey! I am... The Creeper! Alright, so now we get into our feature, which is, as I mentioned earlier, the recap of all the major events that have occurred in the Batman universe during the year 2010. Now, you may be asking yourself, well, there's still some things that are going to be coming out in the month of December. Yes, that's true, but uh, we'll cover those in January. So, 
the first things we're going to go over is the big events that happened in movie news. So what we're going to do is I'm going to list off the major things that have been announced or things that have occurred, and then we'll kind of briefly talk about the the thing that we personally enjoyed out of the bunch. So as far as movie news, we had Justice League Crisis on Two Earths be released. We had Batman Under the Hood released. Uh, as far as Batman 3 news, uh, not a lot of news, but we did get knowledge that Mr. Freeze will not be the villain, as well as the Riddler will not be the villain. Joker will not be returning, and Aaron Eckhart will not be returning. Tom Hardy has been cast, and we do have the title, which is The Dark Knight Rises. Besides that, it was also announced that one of the animated films in the DC anime universe next year will, in fact, be Batman Year One. So... Out of those movie items, uh, I think Batman Under the Red Hood was probably the best thing that we got as far as movie news. Um, that movie was much better than I expected. I'm looking forward to Batman Year One next year. As far as the Batman 3 news, there's nothing really here that's really worth going over. The, all of the, the news that came out about this, other than the release date being July of 2012... Is kind of irrelevant, and we'll actually expect to hear some real news next year. Uh, yeah, for me, Crisis on Two Earths, meh, nothing special. Under the Red Hood, definitely one of the standout things of the year. Fantastic film, and like Dustin said, I wasn't expecting a lot, but it really delivered. Um, and I think the Riddler not being a villain for me in Batman 3 was really surprising. I was, I would have put money on Riddler being in Batman 3 in some capacity and was really shocked to find out that he wasn't involved at all so that was something that stood out to me as well yeah like Dustin and Nick Under the Red Hood was just something that exceeded my expectations and I really think it's the best animated film that we've got since uh, Mask of the Phantasm Uh, I was just completely blown away by that and it really, I think, upped the stakes and upped the standard of what we expect from the DC animated films from here on out. Uh, the Batman 3 news, the the one thing that, I guess, that disappointed me was uh, I understand why Two-Face is not returning, but uh, Aaron Eckhart was just so good in The Dark Knight, and he was so overshadowed by Heath Ledger, and I don't think he got enough credit for being as good as he was, and I I really liked him as Two-Face, and I guess I would have liked to have seen him maybe at some point. But uh, it makes complete sense why why he's not in the third film. I liked Crisis on Two Earths. I, I thought that was the best uh, DC anime film that came out. Until that went even further. I agree, that was totally a pleasant surprise, and currently is the best they've done. Um, with the the Batman three news, um, yeah, it is it seems it is kind of annoying that everything that's come out has just been denied, denied, denied. There's no Riddler, there's no Freeze, which really does anybody expect Mister Freeze? Um, but there's also no Joker, no uh, Aaron Eckhart. Um, I guess so. I guess it's not, there's not really too much to be excited for, but besides the fact that if you don't like any of those characters, then they won't be in the film. <laughs> Essentially, so I guess that's all there is to talk about that. Take two and call me in the morning. <laughs> get to the chopper now. All right, so that's the movie news recap. Let's get into the TV news recap. As far as different the different things that happened in the TV world, uh, we did obviously have a number of Batman: The Brave and the Bold episodes that happened. 
over the past year. Some of the highlights as far as the episodes that have aired, we had the Chill of the Night earlier in 2010. We had the Emperor Jokers episode recently. The Nights of Tomorrow was another episode that recently aired. Um, and we actually have another episode that is scheduled to air before the end of the year, which is Batmite Presents, which is a number of different looks at uh, Batman in different incarnations, which I think is going to be quite interesting. Um, besides that, we did find out that Batman Brave and the Bold is going to be ending, and they are making way for a new Batman cartoon in the future. And Young Justice was announced, and we had the premiere. Um, so out of all these things, the Batman Brave and the Bold episodes, uh, out of the bunch that have aired so far, Chill the Night is probably up there as one of my favorite episodes. Um, at this point, I'm kind of glad that Batman Brave and the Bold is ending, just because I think it's run its course... I don't think it's a bad show. I think it serves as the purpose that it's meant to do, which is to be a, a fun show for kids. It's not meant for us. That's that's just how it is. Uh, this new Batman TV show that's going to be coming out is going to be quite interesting. I'm looking forward to that. And speaking of things I'm looking forward to, Young Justice. This is something that even when the information was just coming out and they were just talking about it for the first time at Comic-Con, it was nothing but stuff that I was super interested in and based on the premiere this is going to be a show that I think is going to be really good it could be it could kind of fill my fill the void that I have since Justice League went off the air um my opinion about Brave and the Bold is that I think when it first came on the scene it was exciting it was new but my enthusiasm for it has definitely faded in this last six months or a year and apart from episodes like Chill of the Night, it's really... I wouldn't say I'm happy it's its going, but I'm like... I've, I've come towards the end of my, my, my love of that show. It's not something that... There's just some episodes that appeal to me, and most of them don't. And it's, it's a shame, but... And as much as you can say, well, it's coming to the end of its, its time, it, sh it should still be entertaining me. You know, the first series had a lot more entertaining episodes than this one so I think it has has dropped the ball a little bit but Chill of the Night was a fantastic episode and probably the best one I think they've done um, regarding Young Justice I've watched the premiere and uh, really enjoyed it I think it's got a lot of promise um, I was a little bit ambivalent coming into the premiere didn't know half the characters was a bit unsure about this this show but really enjoyed it I thought it was great uh, way to kick off the show and I can't wait for it to start next year yeah TV for me was kind of a a dud year I guess uh, I'm more looking forward to what has been announced and what we are going to see in the future uh, Batman Brave and the Bold I do think it's a shame that it's ending simply because I think it is a, a nice uh, take on Batman that we really haven't gotten in TV before um, I haven't been that into it um, probably that's just because uh, it, it does it. It's for a younger audience, but at the same time, it's kind of it deals with the crazy zany stuff that I love. I just I don't know that it's really it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me for some reason. I'm not sure what I can't pinpoint why, but uh, I do think it's a shame that it's ending. But you know, Young Justice. I haven't seen the premiere, but I think it looks really good and it's really promising. And I really look forward to to uh, the new shows that are going to be coming up? Um, I I was sort of the opposite, because when Brave and the Bold was first, first came out, I was like, why 
why is there another Batman cartoon? Do we really need this? Oh, it's going to be fun and zany. Okay, maybe I'll check it in. I don't know. I don't care. And the more and more I saw of it, the more and more I realized that it's not so much that it's a show geared for younger audiences as it's a show for all ages, which... Because there are episodes that you guys have admitted that appeal to you, like Chill of the Night. I think that it's very much a love letter to more... I say it's more of a Bronze Age show than a Silver Age show. It has Silver Age elements, but a lot of the things going on with like Dick becoming Nightwing and stuff like that, it's very much like late 70s, early 80s DC Comics. And some of the episodes they've done, mainly in the second season, I found to be very, very enjoyable. I really, really liked... Uh, Chill the night, and I loved even more Nights of Tomorrow because I thought that was just a fantastic way to encompass all of like what Batman is for for now, for past, present, and future, while at the same time not really like setting in stone what dictates who who Batman should be as an identity. Like, because there, there's a dovetail at the very very end which um kind of treats 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 it almost as a what if, which I like. So I I mean all good things must come to an end. It was never going to last forever, but I will miss it. I and I'll definitely pick up the DVDs. Um, Young Justice. I, I I had certain expectations for that because I'm a huge fan of the Young Justice comic book, and it's clearly a different take on it than than it's from the comic book. Um, but I'm definitely I'm definitely interested and excited to see what they're going to come out with later next year. But right now, I I was I was more geared up towards. Um, the last few episodes of Brave and Bold and for Young Justice, but we'll see how it goes. All right, so that's the TV news. Let's get into the merchandise news. Uh, as far as merchandise news, we learned earlier this year that the Hot Wheels Batmobiles line will continue, um, and they have continued, uh, with putting out a number of different Batmobiles from Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, as well as Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. Um, all the Mattel DC lines will continue as far as the DC Universe Classics, the JLU line, the DC Universe Infinite Crisis line. All of those continued. One did come to an end, the Movie Masters, as far as the Dark Knight Movie Masters, because um, the Movie Masters is continuing inside of Mattel, but it's switching over. It switched over to Ghostbusters, but uh, all the Dark Knight figures have been released at this point. Um, as far as the individual lines, the DC Universe Classics, Azrael, the Classic Riddler, Classic Robin, and Bane were all added this year. In the Justice League Unlimited series, we have uh, Nightwing, Penguin, Batgirl, and Grey Ghost that were added. And very recently we learned that Hot Toys would be releasing some new figures based off of the Bat-Demon in Batman Begins, as well as Jonathan Crane as the Scarecrow. So that is the merchandise news. As far as what I really enjoy out of all of this, um, I like that the Hot Wheels Batmobiles are continuing. I hope that it somehow branches off into more of the comic book ones and we can see some of the uh, Batmobiles that have classically appeared in the comics over the years. That would be great. Um, One of the other things that I would really like to see is more figures um, in the DC Universe Classics. Now, obviously, Batman is a pretty big character within the DC Universe, as we all know. And Wave 16 specifically has half the series dedicated to figures that are Batman-related. So, I like to see that, but that can't always happen. So, we'll have to see what happens next year. 
As far as the Justice League Unlimited series, I really like to see uh, Tim Drake Robin make it in weights into the line, as well as some of the other villains from the animated series that we haven't seen in action figure form in quite some time. So that is my thoughts on the merchandise news. Yeah, I think the Hot Wheels, Batmobile stuff is is really cool, but uh, I don't uh, really collect merchandise. I don't have an interest in collecting merchandise. I have enough paper and DVDs in my house. I don't need toys, but uh, send the hate mail, please. You asked for it. It inspires me. Alright, so next we've got the video game news. Um, The very first thing that we had over in 2010 was the fact that Rocksteady was bought by Warner Brothers. Now this probably, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it does, have to do with the success of Batman Arkham Asylum and the fact that they want to continue to make good Batman games. And eventually, when they're done making telling the Batman story, Rocksteady can move on to make some other games based on some other DC characters, I'm sure. Because if they can do a good job with Batman, I'm sure they could probably do a good job with some of these other heroes as well. And the fact that they did a good job and got so much praise, I'm sure Warner Brothers wants to keep them around as long as they can. Um, we had the Batman Brave and the Bold video game released. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, DC Universe Online was supposed to come out in November after they took forever to announce the release date. They said it was coming out in November, and then it was delayed. And we learned that the sequel for Batman Arkham Asylum will in fact be Batman Arkham City, and we'll be seeing the trailer for the game later this month. As far as what I like to... As I liked uh, the Batman Brave and the Bold video game, it was a nice addition to what we what we get on the TV. But again, it's not meant for people our age. It's meant for children. So with that, uh, I don't really have anything to say. I'm kind of I was kind of uh, ticked off about the DC Universe Online. You know, it's one thing I know that they've been working on this game for a really long time because I remember years and years ago. I remember way 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 back in 2006 hearing about the fact that they were possibly making this game and thinking. This is going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to this. And for years, we've been waiting for a release date. And here we are in 2010. They give us a release date only to delay it again. I, I don't really understand that. But if it is, if it turns out super well made, uh, no issues whatsoever when it releases, I guess the worth it'll all be worth the wait. Um, Arkham City is going to be amazing. I think a good chunk of our video game news is going to be taken up by Arkham City in 2011. All right, and then uh, lastly we have the general news, which is the only real thing that happened this year was the Batman Live announcement. I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a unique twist on the character, and I think it'll just be another aspect that Batman can incorporate into his forms of media. Yeah, I, I'm excited about Batman Live. I think it kind of expresses how versatile the character can be, and hopefully, it is a a nice and a nice addition to uh, another form of media that we haven't seen Batman in yet. Um, cautiously optimistic, but always trying to remain optimistic. I mean, the second I see somebody prancing around in a Batman costume for audiences, it's, it's going to be weird. So, it depends on how he's written, I suppose. All right, so that is the recap of 2010, and that's the end of our feature. So, that's
that's going to bring us to the end of the podcast. And with that, I want to remind everybody you can go on to the website for all the daily news related to all the topics we discuss here on the website. You can also email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast or anything else. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and find out all the latest news on all of the different media networks. You can join the forums and chat with other Bat fans, including ourselves, about all the events that are happening in the Batman universe. And finally, I do want to make a call out. Uh, I posted something on the editorial section. We are looking for a couple of new co-hosts for the podcast. If you are interested in that, check out the editorials and look. F- click under the housekeeping category, and you'll see at the top there is a post about a call for co-hosts. It'll lay out all the details as far as what we are looking for as far as a new co-host. And you, if you are interested, you can join up. Uh, as far as the next episode of the Batman Universe podcast, we're going to be covering the nominations for the 2010 TBU Awards. And then we'll be having a special later on in February announcing the winners of the 2010 TBU Awards. So look forward to that on the next episode. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Nick. This is Zach. This is Donovan. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye-bye now. He can't believe anything unless Chris tells him something. Not even the title. Then the guy persists to ask him questions and he threatens to rip his head off. (laughs) (laughs) You're amateur. (laughs) Never gonna work in this town again. (laughs) So swears Bill. Pre. 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 Pu. What? Pre. 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 Prepubet. Uh, here we go. This is another word. I can't say. Pre. Autonomous. Autonomous. Prepubet. Autonomous, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. They, they all, were all, all telling me. We all said it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Cotillard. 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 Well, this, the only thing I would say this isn't. She's not Spanish because two L's make a Y. Yeah. So I I don't maybe cut it lard that that sounds wrong <laughs> though too. That's... There's this Alan Grant written story with Mr. Freeze and he's written like Arnold. He, 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 nice. He, he, oh, like, oh, I gotta go get that. It's such bull because like he he literally it's like, it was in 1998 and he it's like around Cataclysm and he says to cops like you know it's uncool to mess with me and it Keep was cool, so bird boy. I wanted to shoot myself, but it was it was it was horrible actually. Like I was like, uh, Alan Grant wrote this. It was a. It was a no, it's a winter of our discontent. Is that a line he has? He's or is that one that I, I just made up? I don't. He said something about the winter, and I thought it was like meet your eminent doom, or something like that. <laughs> Revenge. I see. Jeez. Arnold is what makes that movie watchable for me. So. <laughs> well. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, he's got it. Oh. <laughs>